Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser, and uh, I feel like we need to get to know each other again because you haven't seen us. We haven't seen you. Uh, there's basically a brand new Seahawks team to talk about that's completely different and yet somehow exactly the same as it's always been. We will cover all of that. Uh, highly recommend it. You know, if you're, if you're, you know, distracted by the Mariners, you know, as you should be, you know, put that, put that game on mute, listen to us. We will keep you entertained. We will inform you as best we can, and you'll be able to follow what's going on in a baseball game. It's, it's pretty basic, right? So uh, let me bring the crew. We are going to have a full slate. We have one of our crew that's going to be a few minutes late. Uh, he's probably working on some sort of analytical uh, uh, argument against running for, for some reason or other. Um, but while we wait, uh, let's bring along Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB. I don't even know if anyone's changed their Twitter handle. He could be like Evan Hill Denver for all I know. And I would. I've know. never changed my Twitter handle in the history of my Twitter account. Not once. Not doing, ever. Dude? I'm doing so well. It's so good to see your faces. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Um, and then, uh, of course, Dana OG at Dana OG, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. 
Dana just celebrated a birthday and we want to wish you uh, live on the show a happy, happy birthday. How are you? I am good. Thank you so very much. Yeah, I uh, got to celebrate that birthday in Napa Valley. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, the summer's been really great, actually. Dana, 25 has never looked so good on you. Thank you. I, I just want you to that. know that. Thank you. Because since Nathan called me a boomer the other day. <laughs> oh, my God. God. How old God, do you think God. I am? That was rough uh, for Nathan, <laughs> not for you. Um, and uh, for folks that don't know, Dana is actually going to be gracing us with her presence in the Seattle area and uh, trying to plan a dinner out with the Ring of Honor folks uh, and get a chance to meet Dana in person. So uh, that'll be awesome. If you haven't already joined patreon.com slash hawkblogger, join up there. You can still join the Ring of Honor and get invited to that dinner. We've been trying to find the right time for it. August is going to be the right time for it. Um, should be fun. Uh, next, the man, the myth, the Canadian legend, Jeff Simmons, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Jeff, you have been almost as absent, maybe more absent from Twitter than I have. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I don't know if I'm welcome in Seattle. If uh, I don't want to tell you guys what baseball team I grew up cheering for, so I don't know if I'm allowed in your city right now. Hey, did, well, didn't we sweep you recently? You did. You killed us. Yeah. And our guy, uh, Robbie Ray, is finally pitching well. But, hmm. uh, yeah, so I've been all right. Like, this is weird. Uh, I, I play a lot of softball in the summer, and it's one of those things you guys talk to me. I'm pretty calm. I like to let all my anger out in softball. I'm always yelling at the other team. I'm screaming at this other team last week. Let's go, this, Jeff. Let's go. This guy comes up to me. I'm, like, yelling at their shortstop about something, like, he argued about. And I'm, like, being an asshole, this guy. And they're <laughs> – their first baseman comes up to me and he goes, you're not going to believe this, but I listen to your podcast. Some dude in Toronto, I couldn't believe it. And our teams hate each other in softball, but now I couldn't believe some random guy in our game. It's, uh, but he, the weird part was he almost seemed embarrassed that he's a Seahawks fan currently. And I don't know, maybe, I feel so different about that right now, but he like, he said it, he almost cringed like, Oh, I, I'm still cheering for this team, but I don't know. I found that very odd. I feel so different. I, that's one of the reasons I've kind of distanced myself from Twitter. We can probably get into that later, but I don't feel that way at all. Yeah, I, 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 we're, we're going to probably get up into that pretty soon off the bat. <clears throat> um, and, you know, I, I actually want to commend you for taking a big break from Twitter because for what it's worth, there's been nothing worth talking about relative to the Seahawks for months. Like, there's people out there trolling you know, this crew here for not doing like daily and weekly pods and pu publishing 15 articles a week. Like, I'm sorry. Like I haven't read a single thing uh, about most Seahawks stuff because honestly, like nothing worth anything has happened. This team is a blank slate for the most part. Nobody can say that they really know anything about what's going to happen with this team. Yes. You can say, you know, Pete Carroll. Yes. John Schneider, all that. Sure. Brand new defensive staff, brand new defensive approach, uh, a bunch of new players on that side of the ball, a ton of rookies, brand new quarterback room, essentially, uh, could be a completely different offense, new offensive line coach, new offensive line, uh, new running backs, you know, new receiver, like new tight ends, like this is a different team. And so spending a bunch of time crunching film and, you know, iterating on whatever you're talking about. I mean, good for you. I, I, I don't blame you for doing it, but 
there's been nothing that I wish we had been talking about this time. And um, it brings me back with a little bit more, you know, verve, a little bit more like vigor uh, to, to talk. And the Seahawks have kind of agreed with us, folks. They were like, we're not going to do anything newsworthy until the Real Hawk Talk pod starts again. So, you know, uh, today we got to start off with the breaking news. Um, everyone comes to us for breaking news, right? Like that's what our, our shtick is. And where to start? Let's start with happy news. Um, I think it's happy news. KJ Wright. KJ Wright signs a one-day contract with the Seahawks, retires today, uh, has his press conference. Um, there were reporters who were in tears. Uh, there, everyone on the team, you know, tweeting out, former teammates tweeting out. Is there anybody that is more universally beloved of the Seahawks that were, the, the LOB Seahawks, than KJ Wright? I'm curious, like, I think Bobby's in that conversation, Cam, like there might be some other folks, but like KJ Wright's got to be up there. And Dana, I want to start with you. Like, what is your, what are you going to walk away with um, when you think about KJ Wright? When you tell people that have never seen him play in five years and 10 years, how are you going to describe KJ Wright? You know, I, I said this earlier um, on Twitter and, and I truly mean it. And then Bobby Wagner said something very similar in his post. Bobby Wagner, who everyone knows, would not be Bobby Wagner without KJ Wright. They were that one-two punch between the two of them that that just made everything so dominant. Was Bobby the, I hate to say better, stronger, more, you know, visual player? Absolutely. Is he a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. Is KJ? I don't know that. But the two of them together were in such great sync for so long, it, they, they were vital to each other. And I think that that is probably one of the, the best compliments that you can give him. He was a team guy. Uh, he was, you know, so kind. If you ever got to meet him or chat with him, he was so sweet. Um, and so it was really interesting to me um, that when he left, it almost felt like we're like, yeah, he's going to leave. He'll be back. Like, we just kind of felt it. Like, I don't think he ever really felt like he actually left the team. And so, um, him coming back today, signing that contract, you could see how much it meant to him. You could see how much it meant to Pete and John. I Pete Carroll, close to tears, about gets me, right? Like, it's like that just, just felt different. And, and for him to have such respect for this team, as many as the former players do, I mean, we see a cliff all the time. We see Cam, we see um, Doug. They, they have a lot of respect for this team. I, I just think that he, this is his home and he knows it. It was great to see. Yeah. Evan, KJ Wright, where does he rank um, for you? Is, is he a ring of honor guy? Is he just a, you know, a great Seahawk? Like how, how far up the chain do you go with, with KJ Wright? I think he's got to be a ring of honor. Um, I, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about uh, him over the past, uh, past day or two, but I, I think we all recognize how, how vital his contributions were as a defender on you know, some of this franchise's uh, on this franchise's best defense. But what sticks out to me is just how um, loved he is as a as a person and as a man uh, over being a football player. Like you said, what really hit home for me was the reaction among teammates, coaches, fans. People love this guy. He's a phenomenal football player, but he's an even better person. And that really inspires me. So 
yeah, I, I couldn't be more grateful for him over the past decade. I said on Twitter, you know, if he was on any other defense outside of the Legion of Boom, he'd have infinitely more league-wide recognition. He's that special of a player. He's that good. So I, I'm just, I feel, I feel lucky. I feel privileged to have watched him over the past decade. And uh, it's, he's, he's just a special guy. Jeff, I remember first time uh, I saw KJ Wright walk on the field. You know, first of all, Seahawks traded up and to get him first pick of the fourth round, I want to say, or quite quite high in the fourth round. And the guy had the this wingspan. Like you don't see linebackers that are that tall and have arms that are that long. And what a lot of people, you know. Folks that watch this show, this pod, probably would know this trivia, but most people wouldn't. His first game that he started for the Seahawks in San Francisco was at middle linebacker. To see a guy that tall, it was like Brian Erlacher was a guy that was pretty lanky and played middle linebacker, but there weren't a lot. And he was good. And he was good right away. He knew everything he had to do. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. He didn't make a lot of flashy plays, but, you know, he was – he was just excellent at his job. And I'm curious, like, what is like the memory you will have of, of KJ, Wright? Is there a specific play or something about him that really will be something that you remember? For me, he was just one of the smartest football IQ players I've ever seen. And it was like you said, Brian, there wasn't much of a learning curve. He hit the ground running and I was going to bring up that first game and inside linebacker. And he just stepped in there right away and he could play like that game, that team for the Niners, they almost went to the Super Bowl that year. And Seahawks were in, like, played a great game. The thing I'll always remember, just how smart he was at identifying plays right off the hop. Like, just identifying a screen pass. There's not one play specifically, but, like, you even saw the last couple of years without him, without him last year, how bad they were defending the screen. Something like that was so subtle and so good. And Jordan Brooks slid in with a lot more athletic ability. And he couldn't do what KJ could do, just identifying plays and reading plays just one of the smartest football players I've ever seen. And like Evan said, if he was on, he wasn't a loud guy with all those LOB guys and he probably didn't get his due. And the crazy thing about him is he got better with age. I think 2020 and 2019 might've been his two best complete seasons. And at that position where you can fall off a cliff in terms of just athletic ability and speed, it was pretty amazing that he got better even as the defense around him got a lot worse. And just all that made him a very special and beloved player. I was uh, not to cut you off, Jeff, but I was just looking up the top 10 KJ Wright highlights of, of his career. And do you guys remember that one handed interception he had against the Vikings in 2020? I do. Like that year, he like dropped like four passes right in his hands. Yeah. And came up with that one. Yeah. Dude is Spider Man. Oh, you're Brian, muted. you're muted. Brian, boomer move. Boomer move. I was coughing. Sorry. Uh, we got Bobby <laughs> Wagner, who was the Ninja Turtle, and KJ Wright, who was Spider-Man. So uh, they were they were a, a duo for sure. Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 has joined us. We are giving you a full house tonight. All five uh, Real Hawk Talk members. We will not go to each Real Hawk Talk member for each question, but when we talk about KJ Wright retiring, we got to talk to everybody and get their take. So Nathan. Uh, do you have either a favorite KJ Wright memory or, you know, something about KJ that you will always uh, tell other people who ask what kind of player he was? 
Uh, I don't think I really have a favorite KJ play. I mean, it's probably one of a million screens that he blew up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just always remember him as, you know, just really the glue guy, right? I mean, um, you know, always where he's supposed to be, always doing, you know, never making mistakes, sound tackler, sniffing out plays, instinctive, not splashy, not the, you know, the the big face of the franchise or anything like that, but just always a guy that was out there playing hard, working hard, doing the right thing, good guy. Like, I mean, just... Um, yeah, just an awesome guy to have in Seattle sports. Yeah, the thing that I will not tell people, or maybe I will, is that uh, I will not tell them that he was a great judge of secondary talent or safety talent. <laughs> uh, you know, I remember him clearly saying that Tedrick Thompson was going to be like a fantastic player. So, you know, uh, not everybody can be perfect, perfect, but KJ was as close as you come on and off the field. Um, certainly a, a great Seahawk. And Really happy that he signed with the team, retired with the team, and hopefully will stay close to the team the way Cam has. Maybe be a coach, maybe help you know help the team out. Whatever it's going to be, I think that's a that's nice to see. Um, so, folks that have been watching Mariner games may have noticed that there was uh, Brett Boone, a former Mariner, came on in, uh, one of the broadcasts and was talking about how he has a new podcast himself. And he spends like three hours preparing for every podcast. And uh, I'm going to tell everyone here and, and the crew as well, definitely did not spend three hours. In fact, I just jumped on here two minutes ago before we started. So you guys have to help me if I've missed news. All right. Uh, that's a call to the group. We, we do this together. It's a, it's a community event. But the other news, uh, let's go from one extreme to the other. Uh, if that was maybe the, the most positive news. Um, uh, the most negative might be Jamal Adams. Uh, we were hearing all about the safeties were back, Quandre and Jamal, they were playing, they were practicing. Uh, you know, he had had surgery on any number of things. And we find out today from Pete Carroll that the hand that he got surgically repaired and had, I think, two fingers fused or something along those lines just wasn't feeling right or something along those lines and is out indefinitely. Do not know if surgery will be required. <sighs> Man. Uh, Jeff, what are we going to do here? Like, I mean, do we care enough? Like, is it matter enough? Like, are we just done? Do we need just Marquis Blair to come back and play safety? Like, what, what what's your reaction to the news yeah it continues to add to sort of the running joke that has been the jamal adams experience in seattle it's got to be one of the worst trades in the last 20 years of the nfl and this just continues to add for it it's just it's been the whole experience has been miserable and since they've paid him they've gotten such little in return and if he's out for a considerable amount of time in a normal year if russell was still here i would be more affected by this but now it's like i honestly do not care at all if anything that gives brian neal and marquise blair potentially more opportunities and if they're not going to get their value back on that trade it's just the money they're paying them what they gave up to get them that there's nothing good to say about it right now it's been a disaster the whole experience and his unfortunately it's not just his play his body seems to be falling apart and 
that's as disappointing as his inability to impact the game. So if he's not on the field, it just adds to the running joke that he kind of is around the league right now. And fortunately, this was supposed to be a year with Sean Desai and the new scheme to really excel to get the most out of him. And it's just a disappointing, the whole thing's been a disappointing experience. Yeah. Evan, I know you've got some feelings on this topic. Uh, Anything you want to add about the Jamal, Jamal Adams news? I'm sad. Are you really? I, no, I am. It's just annoying. It's like, come on, man. Like, we were just talking about him last month feeling great and like OTAs and stuff. Like, come on, give us a break. Like, like, like our lives are so bad right now. Just, just God, please give us like, just give us one healthy year of Jamal Adams. Just one healthy year. I, I, I almost feel, I feel pity for us. This is bad. Like, can we, can, can we just have better luck? So Dana, I'm sad. That's Dana, the extent of my thoughts. Dana, you are the most positive of anyone on this show. Do you have anything positive or hopeful to say about this news? Yeah, I, to be honest with you, when you have a, a fusion like that as, or any type of like fusing of a bone, which I, I'm no expert, but I've my ankle has been fused twice. Now, so, But sometimes you just need a little clean out. Sometimes you just need a little something to loosen that up because it can get stiff. And I'm wondering if, if maybe what he's feeling is that he just doesn't have the range of motion that he used to it and he might not get it back. I mean, it just kind of depends. So I would think that even if he had to have a little clean out surgery or something, it wouldn't be, you know, now is the best time, not week two. Do you know what I mean? But um, either way, I, we argue back and forth about this trade all the time, but the point that I made, cause someone's like, Dana, explain to me why you still don't hate this trade. Well, when they made the trade, they didn't know. You can't, you can't blame the trade when they did it back then. They had no idea what was coming. I, I don't feel bad for us, Evan. I feel bad for Jamal Adams because you know this is not what he wants. This is not the person he wants to be. Um, do I think he can come back? I hope so. And I hope it's by week one. Do I care if he plays in preseason? Not in the least. Could care less. You know, that that is, uh, that is an excellent job uh, in your role as our cleanup hitter for positivity. I, I actually think the, the note about it being the first day, literally the first day of camp, is a good one. Uh, I would quibble a little bit about the no training camp at all. He missed a lot of time last year, seemed to have trouble getting like up to speed with the, the defense, talked about that. And so I was hoping that he would get a full offseason uh, into this new defense. And, it's real and But I, I agree, like first day, it's a hand injury. Hopefully, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it was disappointing. Nathan, I'm not even going to let you talk about that because we will just we'll, we can't have everybody say everything about everything. I'm going to flip back to the positive news because you're the most you know cynical guy usually. Although last year you were kind of the most optimistic, so I don't know what hat you're going to wear this year. We are all waiting with bated breath to see who you are this year, Nathan Ernst. But uh, DK Metcalf, he has been a Seahawk. He is going to remain a Seahawk. Signed a three-year extension uh, today uh, for like 70 plus million dollars, 50 something guaranteed. I don't know, 30 million signing bonus was the largest ever for a receiver or something along those lines. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, the news of, of DK signing? I think it's great. Um, I mean, the, the only quibble I would have had with it is it just would have been awesome if they could have locked him up longer just because... I want to watch DK for as long as possible. Um, <clears throat> so we'll probably go through this again in a couple of years. And I assume um, they'll 
dump a ton of money on him in a couple of years again. So um doesn't really matter that much. But uh, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I'm glad that he's going to get a, a full camp or mostly a full camp with the new quarterbacks. And um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it, you know, this is not a year where this team is trying really hard to contend. And so DK is going to be, you know, one of the, one of the bright spots is going to be about the individual performances and, you know, seeing what he can do with new quarterbacks and seeing, you know, what his skill set can be, um, you know, with Russ, he's really excelled at all the deep stuff, but he's going to have opportunities to show more of that more now. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, it's just awesome. Yeah, Jeff, I, uh, I was a little surprised that it was, a three-year deal, which is less than what the Seahawks normally do. Um, DK becomes a free agent again at 27, so that's that's good for him. It felt like they had a, a, a boilerplate to follow here, and, and A.J. Brown had his four-year, $100 million deal, 25 per. Felt like they're the teammates in college, similarly impactful receivers, similar style receivers, seemed like that was the deal to make. Do you think that was DK that was the hold up there and his side, or do you think it was the Seahawks um, that were hold up there? Um, I believe it was DK. And I think you missed a key point in the conversation. Terry McLaurin signed last month, three years, 71 million. DK was three years, 72 million. Once McLaurin signed that deal, it gave them a data point to get to free agency earlier. If they had signed this closer to when AJ did, which I think was the day of the draft or the day after the draft, he might've had a point, but I think Terry McLaurin messed up. And I may alluded to this yesterday where he said they were thought that they were close to something and then kind of escalated. So once the McLaurin deal came out and I saw the terms of this one, it's almost identical. And so I think that's where they kind of went off their usual structure. I think it's honestly like a million dollars off. So that did not surprise me. And like Nathan said, I think it's great. I think there was a lot of people who were freaking out when John Schneider went on the radio and made that comment about the receiver market. And really one of the reasons I'm kind of optimistic about the franchise right now, and this is the first time in a while, if I look at like a lot of position groups, I just see a lot of long-term potential here in almost all of the offensive position groups. And frankly, one of the reasons I've been kind of bummed out the last few years is I just haven't liked their long-term roster outlook. And this is the first time in a while, obviously, a quarterback, there's a lot of questions, and that's the biggest question around the team. But if you look at almost all the offensive position groups, and now that you have DK locked in, there's a lot of, like, you can see sustainable growth at almost every spot. Let me uh, let me jump in here with some quick interesting data that I saw. Um, we'll decide if it's interesting, Evan. <laughs> we were uh, – so, obviously, everybody's been comparing this to the, to the A.J. Brown deal. A.J. Brown got um, – 1 million more per year in average, but of course it was a four year deal. So four year 100. But what's interesting is if you look at the cash flow of the two deals, so, you know, 72 million a year for, or 72 million over three years for DK um, versus the first three years of the deal for AJ Brown, DK is actually making $4 million um, more than AJ Brown is over the first three years of the deal. And DK gets to hit free agency a year earlier than AJ Brown does. So I would argue, frankly, that DK probably got the best deal in the NFL of all receivers. Yes, the APY is slightly less, but he makes more than AJ Brown does, you know, top of the right wide receiver market right now. 
um, in those first three years and sees free agency a year earlier. So I think overall, obviously, this is great for the team. He's an, you know, an all-star type of player, so it's great to keep him in the fold. But I do think this is a really good deal for DK. You know what is shocking? And Nathan, I know you, you look like you're going to say something. I'll let come to you next. Um, is the clause they put in that he has to study film. I, I was shocked by that. Hold up. Did you, did you guys see that they retracted that in the okay. past hour? Okay. Okay. What an absolute joke. We will, we will spend a little time joking about that more, but Nathan, what were you going to say? I, I was just going to ask Jeff. So you said that you thought that DK was the holdup on this deal. Um, was there reporting behind that or is that just your you know gut? Yeah. No reporting. It's been surprisingly okay. quiet. So I just, once I saw McLaurin's terms and I saw the three years, I was wondering how that would impact this negotiation yeah yeah i'm curious i, I kind of wonder if it wasn't like if i'm seattle like i said i would have wanted him for a year or two more probably um yeah. so i wonder if if that wasn't the holdup actually on the seattle side trying to get him locked down for a little longer yeah yeah i, <laughs> I think being an nfl gm sometimes can be really easy if you just sit back and wait until enough other people sign players to contracts and then you just copy whatever they've done like, like it's not it's not as complicated as all the lawyers and salary cap and all that other stuff uh yeah just give me the, the McLaurin deal you want the McLaurin deal you want the AJ Brown deal we'll take the McLaurin deal okay good let's let's move on so I am curious like how Nathan you touched on this a little bit Dana I'd like to hear your thoughts how do you think DK's how are you anticipating DK's role in the offense might be different with Russell having moved on? We might be able to go across the middle. <laughs> um, so <laughs> here's Ouch. the thing. <laughs> I mentioned I want a six foot quarterback. I don't know how many times I can say that this offseason. Um, yeah, I think I think that that's gonna be the fun of it, right? Because we don't know what the difference will be. I mean, we got a little hint of him playing with Gino last year. And honestly, for the most part, people really liked what they saw, the chemistry between the two of them. But I think it's going to have more to do with what Shane Waldron gets to do with that offense now that he's not running up against the Russell Wilson brick wall. And like, so I think it'll be kind of fun to watch how that that molds and kind of comes out. But what I'm hoping what I'm hoping is that we see more than him just running up the side of the field. I want to see more from him because I think he can do it. And I think that was part of his frustration over the years is that he just did the same damn route over and over and over again. Now, I want to say something about what Jeff said too, about this maybe being DK only wanting three years. How brilliant is that? Because you're 27, you get to sign an extra contract before a lot of people are only coming up against their first. And you have a couple of years to see what Seattle does in that quarterback position. If you're not liking what you're seeing, you have the option then to go somewhere else where maybe you'll be more utilized, better utilized, so forth. So I agree with Jeff on that one. Let's have a quick uh, round robin on, like, we, we will not talk about Russell Wilson every, every uh, pod anymore for sure, but Kyler Murray signs his massive deal, right? What is it, like 230 million or something like that? Like, it was a big deal. 200 too much. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Russell's going to be due for his next big deal, whatever that is. Um, he would not need a clause to look at film. I'm sure Russell does that just fine. But uh, would you feel better right now 
Would you feel more engaged about being a Seahawks fan? Would you feel better about their chances of winning a Super Bowl ultimately? Uh, if the news was Russell Wilson was here, all the other draft picks that we had weren't here and he was being signed to that deal? Um, or would you feel better about and more interested in where we can go with what we've got now? I know that's kind of a complicated, multifaceted question, but I am curious where, like, if you can imagine putting yourself in those shoes of, to, you know, a week ago, the Russell Wilson contract gets announced for that much, and we don't have any of the players that we got as a result of that trade. Jeff, I want to start with you. What, what, what's your, where's your, where are you at on that? Well, it's complicated because what I feel better than now, clearly, we have the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. And I, I think it's pretty obvious. And the NFL tiers came out, agreed with all of that. But frankly, I just thought, and I think we talked about this a lot last year between me and you, Brian, I just thought our ceiling was capped with Russell at this point of his career. And we'll obviously see a lot more in Denver. If he plays great, then we'll be clearly wrong. But I think a big part of why they kind of fizzled into that first round playoff ceiling was a lot of where his development was. And I'm, this year is going to be so enlightening on that front. So I, I'm excited if they can actually get back to the model of having the rookie quarterback, if we can actually get a good one. I don't know if they'll actually do it. Who knows? They might fall in love with Drew Locke. But to me, the, the highest ceiling opportunity, if you can get a rookie quarterback with a rookie left tackle and have all this money to spend, to me, that just builds the highest ceiling opportunity for them to actually win the Super Bowl, even higher than paying Russell 40 to $50 million. But again, there's a lot of gray area. They have to find that quarterback, and that could be a total disaster. Yeah, I'm curious where you are, Nathan. Like, and and to be clear, this is there's no doubt about the team's chances of being good this year. This is more about like a where you are in their ceiling and, and outlook over the next few years. Um, ha had that been the reverse been done, and I'm curious where your head's at. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the next like four years or whatever, I think there's a pretty good chance that Seattle is going to be much worse off for having traded Russell Wilson. I mean it's just hard to find elite quarterbacks, right? It's hard to find, build Super Bowl teams or, you know, conference championship teams. And so, you know, Russ gave them a big leg up on that, even with the contract and everything. And so, yeah, they're probably worse off. That said, I don't really fault them at all for making the deal. And as a fan, right, just from a viewing pleasure and, you know, having watched this team for a long time now and watched Russell Wilson for, you know, his whole career here, I am just ready for the change. Like I, that was my big thing. You know, I think I said several times last year, last season, right. Is look, my preference would be to keep Russ, change out Pete, change out John, but I just want to see something new. Right. And so we get that they got a haul for him. Um, so, you know, they're set up well to try to fix it and, and get back. Um, but I think, you know, if you had to bet your mortgage or whatever, I think the safe bet is saying that they're worse off for what they've done. Dana, how about you? Um, I, I, I disagree with Nathan. Sorry. That's why I asked the question. I, I knew everyone. I don't, I don't know that, that they're, that they're worse off. I, let me, I, I hate to take up too much time, but when I was in California this last week and I ended up on a wine trolley tour with, tour with three, uh, three couples all from Seattle, it was just completely happenstance. And so, um, the guy we were talking, he's like, oh, are you Seahawks fan, blah, blah, blah. He asked me, he goes, so how do you feel about this Wilson situation? And I gave him my honest answer. I am not a huge fan of quarterbacks, but I like Russell Wilson. Was I ready for something different? Absolutely. And he said that it was surprised him because he felt the same. All three of the people I talked to about it felt the same. It's like they, 
it was the first time they had felt like excited that there might be something different. We knew exactly what we were going to get every single year with Russell. And until, and everyone can keep blaming the defense or blaming the line, but I, I, and this is not bad. I mean, my God, what we had with Russell was not bad, but it was the same. And so I think my excitement level is, is that it's different, that I was ready for kind of a new, a new situation to come along. 10 years of fantasticness. We thank you, Russell. Thank you so much. But I'm, I'm really excited for something different. Really excited. Even if probably, I think we probably agree, actually. Because I, I, would yeah. you say that, do you think that they will win more games over the next four years without Russ than they would have if they had kept Russ? I think that they won't over the next two. I think by year three, we might yeah. be rolling towards to where we're going to be i think you have this year we already know that this year is kind of a wash um unless we're shocked by one of the quarterbacks and then next year you'll have a rookie hopefully so then that's always a question mark i think that third year i think that's where we're going to see this payoff and yeah the question mark is always you can't always just find elite quarterbacks but this i i think that's where we'll start to find ourselves is in year three i think actually they will starting to win as many as with russ yeah, that's if things go well. I mean, they got the two extra first round picks next year and yep. some things have to go right. But yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Evan, I, I'll just offer this. Like, you know, most people consider me the the big Russ hater and, and critic, even though I never have really felt that way. Um, but I am less engaged in Seahawks football than I've been in probably 20 years right now. Like I'm less enamored, less interested, like to be totally honest, debated about my season ticket renewal. Like that level of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And part of it is just, I mean, a big part of it is like, if drew Locke is the guy i i don't i don't think i want to watch him play a single game like i'm that anti drew Locke. i think he's got no i don't think he has any ceiling uh that's of interest to me i think we know who he is um i'd much rather see gino play even though i don't think he's great but like i hope gino is the quarterback because i'll make it watchable to me um i'm interested in the defense i want to see what they do but I'm a little bit like not thrilled about the, the money we got in the safeties and the age and injury situation there and how that could fall apart. Um, I'm interested in the pass rush. I'm interested in the offensive line. I'm interested uh, more than anything else. I'm interested in Rashad Penny, to be totally honest. That's the thing I'm probably looking forward to more than anything else is hoping that he can be as entertaining as he was at the end of last year. But I would say I feel more confident about the Seahawks ability to set a new ceiling with the direction they're on, but I am less interested in actually watching it happen than I've been for a long time. That's kind of a weird place for me. I've never been there. And I'm kind of curious, like, where's, where are you at? You've been a Russell fanatic. You were probably the, one of the most upset people about the, the move. How are you doing relative to that with where we are? So first of all, I got to clear up a misconception folks. I've been in Brian's house, personally myself. In the bottom of every toilet is a face of Russell Wilson carved out. So every time Brian takes a shit, he's pooping on Russell Wilson's face. 
So I, I just want that image. I want you to think about that image for a second. Um, <laughs> this uh, this show's gone off the rails. Um, <laughs> do I? I think I'm somewhere in the middle between uh, Nathan and Dana. Um, if I was listening right, I, I think they're probably going to lose uh, less games than if they had Russell Wilson over the next two years. Actually, I can say that almost completely confidently. But I but I say that acknowledging the fact. That securing a good quarterback on a rookie deal is the greatest competitive advantage in the NFL. So I acknowledge that while also saying, hey, you know, I do think Russell Wilson is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. What happens this year will be really interesting because Seattle set themselves up with some really what I would feel like are key pieces to a Super Bowl run in the draft this year. I think we are really. I don't think we're talking enough about the two tackles uh, they secured in this year's draft. Obviously they have not played a single down of professional football, but if those two positions hit Lucas and, and cross, you know, that's the foundation of a Super Bowl run. That's how important those positions are. So they'll lose a lot of games. They're going to be really bad. Drew Locke's going to be really bad, but if they land a quarterback somehow on a rookie deal in the next 12 months. Oh boy, this team could get really exciting really quick. So we're in for some pain, but there's hope, I think, with the unknown. And I do appreciate that. So the floor is higher with Russell, I think. But the unknown, from a viewing pleasure perspective, like Nathan said, it's fun. There's 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 more hope than I've had before. Let me put it that way. I don't know about you guys. Sorry to cut you off, but I found it really stressful to watch this team last two, three years. I think I haven't tweeted about this, and I had trouble just enjoying the games. It was a lot. It had to do with a lot. It had to do with the way Pete coached. It had to do with how it just felt like Russell's window with the team was shrinking. And 100%, also, A lot had to do with social media, and like the Seahawks had kind of become like a running joke for a lot of more analytically driven people. And I was one of those guys that just wanted them to be wrong so bad. That I was those wins and losses just felt so crucial. The team had such a small margin of error. So I'm kind of excited just to kind of take a step back and just be able to enjoy the team again because I didn't enjoy the last three or four years at all. I even asked, I remember Brian Dana before last year how to watch the games without like actually enjoying it because I couldn't. Jeff, I have really, really bad news for you. We've already got a Gino versus pete carroll crowd that started like they're 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 warring factions like people are like let gino cook it's it's gonna be ugly really quickly uh so i'm sorry i'm sorry to to break that (laughs) news to you um is there anybody that you can think on the team that the fans will be like pete get out of his way let him let him just shine like, and really get back to where it would be like that polarizing. Yeah. I think Jamal Adams needs to be benched and Marquise Blair to get a ton of play time. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's quite the same. Um, one other piece of news moving on here. Uh, there's probably other news that I'm forgetting. And then we should get into patron questions. If somebody can pull those up so we could start looking through those. Um one of the things I would be excited about, and I want to thank everybody who at any opportunity, whenever this player is mentioned anywhere on the internet, sends me a mention uh, as if we had made a different draft pick 
last year in the second round and had a potential future Hall of Famer center uh, center instead of Austin Blythe, who is just another version of Ethan Posick. Uh, but we didn't. We have D. Eskridge, who all along I was hopeful would be a good player and didn't show that he was last year necessarily and is missing camp uh, so far with a hamstring injury. Dana, like, jog my memory here. How many times do you remember Tyler Lockett missing camp with injuries? Like, overall his career. How many times do you remember, like, Doug Baldwin missing practices with injury? Or even, like, Jermaine Curse or Golden Tate? Like, I don't remember those guys missing many practices along the way. Do you? No, I don't. That that team, that era of Seattle football was very durable. I mean, we have to remember, we didn't often have to deal with a lot of injuries. Occasionally here, there, you know, this player would be out, this player would be out. But really, especially in the wide receiver group, I don't feel like we we missed a lot from those guys. I was really disappointed to see that um, D was out with a hamstring injury, the same hamstring injury he got what last year or last season. It, it's like, it, why is a hamstring injury lingering so bad? Or are they scared to death? They're going to lose someone for a season. I almost feel like they're being overly cautious with this player, these players. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's, you know, something that, that they decided as a, as a group that they were going to look for them more long-term. But I just, I read that and I was like, are you freaking kidding me? When Daryl Taylor sat for the year with his injuries and they're like, nope, we're going to hold on to him for a year. He came back with a vengeance. I do not get that feeling from D and I, it's really disappointing to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, Evan, I, I don't think we can make any proclamations about whether DS Gridge is going to be an injury prone player or not going to live up to his, his draft status or anything like that at this point. But I feel differently about this kind of situation than I do about the stuff that we had with CJ Procise and other guys that had the quote injury prone label. When guys were sitting out with hamstrings, like, or soft tissue, soft tissue things, I can't help but just start to feel like that's just not what you want to see in an NFL player. Like there's ways to play at 50%, you know, during practice and still be getting your reps in. And I can't imagine that Doug Baldwin and, and Tyler Lockett have never had any soft muscle, soft tissue, you know, slight pulls or whatever that, that, that would have potentially kept them out, but they played through. So like, I don't know. Am I like overthinking this with the Eskridge or do you have similar reservations about, you know, I would push back slightly. I I think, I think um, let's give it a little bit of time. You know, today was day one of camp or right. I think day one was today, day two. Um, There's reason, there's reason to be skeptical and cautious and a little pessimistic on it, but Let's let's give it some time. Hamstring injuries are particularly lagging. We all know this. Um, I think I, I think I do agree with what Dana said. Th- that particular uh, era of Seahawks football was exceptionally um, durable, but also probably leaned really hard in, into the tough it out camp. And I'm not saying one way is 
right one way is wrong but i think the mentality of that team was i let me let me rephrase this i i bet they probably struggled with the same amount of injuries and i wouldn't be super surprised if there was just a lack of transparent reporting on the injury report to be honest with you um but yeah I, i'd give it some time i wouldn't freak out yet yeah yeah he, i'm just he he's talented enough that he needs to just get on the field and make an impact like i think i think i think your brain is hurting because they didn't take creed humphrey well sure like i'm just saying but, i think it's influencing your sadness a little bit no but like like marquise blair is super talented and hasn't been able to get on the field it has nothing to do with creed humphrey i'm annoyed about that as well like mm-hmm. and we don't even know where marquise blair fits at this point is he get, he's been getting reps understand i understand it nickel um again but he's like third string nickel uh so like anyway I'm tired of spending high draft picks on skill positions and having these guys not be on the field. Like it's, it's, it's friggin' annoying. It's, 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 I'm kind of done with it. And, and this is a time in the Seahawks development where we need to be seeing young players grow into great players, not seeing them nurse injuries, like mm-hmm. get on the freaking field. But that's, I right. guess that's where my head's at with this. Can, does anyone know about Trey Brown? I know he's going on pop. Ah. But is he, I mean, is he close to playing? Yeah. Is it still, he is. Okay, that's that's encouraging. Because I liked what I saw from him last year. I just wanted, but when I saw everyone on Pup, I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, he was supposed to start on Pup. He's an Achilles okay. injury. Yeah, he's, he, the news is supposedly that he's very close to getting back. Uh, the other draft pick, um, uh, is it Derek Smith? Tyreek Smith? He's supposed to be close to getting back, not too serious. Uh, bad news about Ben Burkirvan. I actually thought that was bigger bad news than maybe some people, but I was hoping he was going to challenge Cody Barton for that, that linebacker spot, but he had cleanup surgery in June on the knee, and he is out for the year. So he's been reverted back to IR. Um, but anyway, yeah, Jeff, did you have something you wanted to say? I kind of cut, cut you off. No, no, no. I was going to say Trey Brown's. He had a pretty late, I think it was that Pittsburgh game where he got hurt, and that was pretty late in the year. So, I'm sorry on Pup. I thought their Pup list was pretty encouraging because basically every season in the last seven years, the Seahawks' first two picks have started the year on injury or the Pup list. And this, this is to see like four guys, and I see all these lists going on across the league, and there's so many big names. And well, we got the Jamal Adams news today, so he's basically on Pup now. But their list was pretty encouraging. And Trey, it sounds like he's going to be in the cornerback competition soon. So, Knock on wood, they can <laughs> stay healthy. Yes. Uh, Dana, let's take some patron questions. I've got so much else to talk about, but let's uh, let's get the patron questions on here. Patreon.com slash Hawkblogger. Sign up now. You get immediate access to the Slack channel, and you get to ask questions that we will answer as we start to bring back Real Hawk Talk pod. Dana, hit us. Um, th- there was a lot of really good questions. Most of them were pretty general, though. Um, and, and there's a couple I don't think that we can answer yet. So Braxton wanted to know which um, undrafted free agents you think have the best shot of making the 53. I really think we have to see some preseason games before we know that. Um, you know, there's a couple of good players on there. I think we need to, Braxton, we're going to put a pin in that one because I think that we need to get back to that one a little bit. Um, Jen Mazzarolo, I'm so sorry, Jen. Um, she wants to know, um, will Tariq Woolen earn a starting job at any point in this season? Jeff. 
Um, I'll say probably not, but I hope I'm wrong. He would be one of the more exciting prospects on the defense in terms of a young player. But I think they're just between, I think Sidney Jones will likely take one spot. And then there's just a handful of other guys. I think he's more of a developmental player and hopefully he can get some time. I know when Sherman came in, he, he got time because three other cornerbacks went down. So I think they'll probably slow play him a little bit, but I, I hope we get to see him play a big role because it sounds like he's doing pretty well and he's one of the more exciting prospects in the secondary right now. Mm-hmm. Nathan, um, this is from Silk. Who do you expect or pick as your comeback player of the year from 2021 squad? Oh, uh, I mean, let's go with D. Eskridge. I think he's the most obvious candidate, mm-hmm. right? I'm not even sure who else would be. I guess Trey Brown is the other one. He's Blair. Yeah, Blair could. So many. <laughs> Can Jamal, I mean, he, I don't think Jamal, I guess. Uh, well, he only definitely had a bad year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll go D. Eskridge. I'll go D. Eskridge. Uh, what yeah. about the kicker? What, a, what about it? Did he cost you a lot of money last year? <laughs> Why is he still on the team? Oh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there, Jeff. As soon as Evan gets back, we will get there. All right. So um, a couple of questions from B. Armbruster. Um, Brian, which position battles are you most excited about? Corner, for sure. I, I love the cornerback room and I love a position battle where I don't really care what the like end result is. I don't have a lot of investment in one name versus another. I have some bets, but like if Brian ends up like Kobe ends up winning a starting role. Awesome. If Artie Burns and Sidney Jones end up being the starters and earn it. Awesome. You know, if Justin Coleman's the starter, great. If I, I guess I have a little bit of skin in the game with Amadi, like I'd rather see Justin Coleman. I've seen enough of Amadi, so I don't think there's a lot of upside there. But, um, you know, Tariq, like there's a lot of guys there. I think there's guys I haven't even named. I think John Reed's an interesting guy. Like I, I think Michael Jackson's an interesting guy. Like I, I think I think they've got a lot of interesting players at corner. And so uh, I just hope that. I hope that they show out and, and make that, it would be fun to have a defense that has great coverage or at least well above average coverage after years of not. Yeah. Jeff, um, what's the O-line look like week one? It's from the same, it's from B, so. Uh, Probably cross at left tackle, Lewis at left guard, Blythe at center. Gabe Jackson, probably a right guard. I'd rather see Phil Haynes play based on where the team is. Uh, I would move on from Gabe Jackson most likely. If, and then I, my guess is it'll end up being current a right tackle, but I would way rather see Lucas. Okay. Um, let me see. Are you guys ready for a Jason Myers extension to be announced shortly? Okay. Well, here's, here's your question, Evan. Um, who is your surprise cut and why is it Jason Myers? <laughs> well done. Was it really was that was that really a question? It is really a question. Well they uh, did. They, I don't know if you guys saw they tried out they tried out like a kicker the other day, which made me a little bit nervous. Nathan, go fuck yourself. I saw that mention. Um yeah, I think it's just leverage in, in the Jason Myers intense contract negotiations that are happening. 
so. I, I think if you if you're bringing in UDFA kickers as leverage, that's bad times <laughs> if you're Jason Myers. <laughs> uh, I think that the rumor I heard is that they couldn't afford to sign DK to the fourth year because that money is going to Jason Myers. <laughs> Probably true. Okay, will you guys be upset if they extend him? Yes. yes. 100%. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait for it. It's gonna happen. I'm mad they haven't cut him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it it is kind of funny they haven't cut him, but yes. <laughs> yes, you can thank B. R. Brewster for that question. I love it. It's made me real happy. Okay. Um. So Evan, I'm asking you a real question now. Who's your surprise week one starter? Ooh. Actually, um, all of you guys can answer this. This is a good question. Oh God, start with somebody else. I got to think about this. This okay. is a tough Nathan. One. What about you? Mm. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> uh. I'm going to go with Phil Haynes. Oh, my Jesus I'm going on brand. We're already back at it. Yeah. Okay. I'll go Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Fuck fuck you, Jeff. Jeff. (laughs) Fuck you. God, if that happens, I really might not be able to go to the games. Like, I... That guy is trash. I know. I mean, That's a surprise. Oh I would rather watch Geno Smith. I would rather lose with Geno Smith than make the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo. But that, Jimmy G isn't trash. That's the problem. He went to the NFC Championship. I mean, come oh, on. Trash. He was Listen, there while the Rich, other team. All right. I'm gonna, Rich I, Eisen almost had me convinced today. He I almost got, had me convinced. I, Go I, got, I got an answer for you, Dana. I okay, think Justin right. Coleman is a starter week one. Mm. Brian, what about nickel you? or That's like a, a starting? What's Nick, he's, he's the expected starter. No, is he really? Don't yeah. don't let his stupidity get him off the hook, Dana. He has to really answer. <laughs> Justin Coleman was signed like four weeks ago. Oh come on! <laughs> who do you think? So okay, so who is Ugo Amadi? Ugo Amadi, probably. Oh god, dude. Oh no. okay. Well, I'll I'll steal the one. Now. I'll, I'll steal the one that somebody already mentioned, and I thought Evan was going to take. I'll go Marquise Blair. Oh, if Adams is hurt, I guess I don't know. There's there's no asterisk of if Adams is hurt. Marquise players beating him out. (laughs) He doesn't need your help, Evan. Like, look what it's done for him so far. (laughs) Eighteen point five million dollar safety backup. I mean, if you want, I'll I'll help you out. What about Ken Walker? Nah, Rashad Penny's gonna be starting. Is that even a surprise, though? I mean, it would be a surprise because. Penny is definitely the number one, but if it's a sneaky good choice because Penny has not been on the field historically, so wouldn't be a shock. Um, I don't hope that's the case, but you know, that would that'd be a decent pick. Better than Justin Coleman, who is the number one depth chart. <laughs> Stop it. It's an open, it's an open battle. Sure. The same way like tackles an open battle. Um, all right, well, all right, Dana, keep going. This will be a good one for you guys to argue about. So from Nick Mortensen, he said, out of these categories, which one could possibly go to a Seahawks player? NFC champion, the Seahawks or the player. So yeah, NFC championship, Super Bowl, MVP, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie, offensive and defensive, comeback player of the year. Which one of those is most likely? Could could possibly go to a Seahawks or the team. Offensive rookie of the year, I think, is the most likely, right? So you think okay. Walker is for Walker? Yeah, Walker. Yeah, I think Walker's range of outcomes. The other ones are just far fetched for this team. So, 
Yeah, Lower, between Walker and Cross, actually. Like, Cross could, if he just balls out all year, too. I mean, I don't know how often they give it to a left tackle. but No, because there's not really a quarterback this year. And there's a ton of receivers and stuff that went in the first round. So, yeah, I think Walker is your best bet, though, for offensive rookie of the year. What's Boye Mafe? Is Mafe, like, any chance there? It, or yeah, like, he's in. If he's just, like, in on third down and racks up, like, a ton of sacks for, like, I mean, you know, he could just fall ass backwards in, like, nine or ten sacks or something. So, I think, I think that there is a chance. Maybe not the most likely chance. There's a chance that Rashad Penny could win Offensive Player of the Year. If They're he had done, if he if he is seventy five percent of the player that he was to end last year, he's in that conversation. Brian, I own his jersey, and what? No, you don't. You probably like you've sold that to some. No, I 100 percent have that in my closet. Or grade school kid. Would you, would you like me to pull it out? No, I, no, that's a dangerous I quote. Ever want you to ask that <laughs> ever again? Somebody needs to clip that. I don't need to pull out. I have a vasectomy. Oh, uh, shit. This no, is mine. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Been. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue. Where is the kick people out of the show button? <laughs> um, I've lost control. I don't that know. That was off the rails. Sorry. I apologize. Sorry. I got excited. <laughs> oh, God. I don't need to hear that either, Jeff. You guys need to keep this like at least like pg-13 um sorry what were we so yeah we were rashad talking penny. about rashad penny with right. that i think oh, penny. i think Evan likes to pull it out for rashad penny yeah <laughs> I, yeah i don't think that's crazy though either i mean i don't think so either we are i mean we talked about it last year right like for what the last six games of the year he was performing like at the same epa per play as aaron Rodgers. so if I mean, that's the most interesting thing about this year. It's not the quarterbacks. Everyone wants to talk about quarterbacks, and I feel extremely weird saying this, but the quarterbacks are not the most important thing this year. It is the running game. And if they find a way to replicate whatever the hell they pulled off in the last half of last year, you know, that's, yeah, then you can talk about offense player of the year for Penny and maybe playoffs. I mean, that was, that, that running game was insane last year. It was crazy. All right, Dana, do we have any other questions? I'm in shock. I can't even breathe because what Nathan just said. The like, running game actually did something like, good. I'll say good I, things I about running games when they do good things. We're going to pound the know. fucking rock this year. And I can't yeah. I'm just wait. like. To uh, air raid <sighs> Okay, yes, going. I have one. There's one question left for Evan. It says, this is for Evan. I've never had in and out This is from Shelby. I've never had in and out but I'm going to California next week. And there's one near my hotel. What should my first order be? Ooh, without question, three double doubles, no onions, and well done fries and a vanilla milkshake. Ta da, we are done. That breakfast, lunch, or dinner for you? <laughs> That's yes, uh, half, of dinner. <laughs> dinner, half of dinner. <laughs> uh, there was a. Uh, a call out in chat that 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 we are being callous and and throwing shade unintentionally because we have not yet talked about Chris Carson. Uh, uh. I do think we should take a moment there uh, to talk about uh, since we're talking about the running game, we're talking about all the things that we're hoping for there. It is interesting, Rashad Penny. Like we 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 talked about it on the show. Part of the reason Chris Carson hasn't come up yet is we've talked about this since last year when he went out that he was probably never coming back and would not play again like that was the assumption by this whole crew and we even talked about when Rashad Penny signed and one of his biggest quotes was like 
part of the reason I chose to come back is because I want to be in the same backfield with Chris Carson. We're going to be the best. And we're like, dude, I hope you know that that's never going to happen. Um, but it's true. Unfortunately, it is true that he's not coming back. He is retired or at least has been let go by the Seahawks. Um, and uh, I don't know, Nathan, um, what's your, you know, as someone who has not been historically in love with the running game, uh, what's, what's your favorite thing about Chris Carson? I mean, the dude ran crazy hard. Um, he left everything out there. I mean, and he, you know, had splash plays and flipping over dudes and all that. I mean, I, the running game, I mean, you know, is it effective? Rarely, but um, is it fun? Yeah, absolutely. And, and Carson was, you know, the epitome of a fun running back. I mean, he just plastered dudes and he could outrun dudes and he could, again, jump over and do somersaults over dudes. Like, um, yeah, it was, it was a joy to watch him for as long as he was here. And I just hope he, you know, it, you know, this doesn't like affect his day-to-day life outside of football and he's, you know, pain-free and all that. And hopefully he can go on and have a long, normal life and, you know, enjoy a little bit of money. He didn't make much, but he made a little bit of money. So, um, yeah, uh, best wishes to him. Jeff, is Chris Carson the best running back? not named Marshawn Lynch for the Seahawks in the last 15 years. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really think it's close. I don't know who would even be second. Thomas Rawls. Travis Homer. <laughs> yeah. Evan had CJ Proces. So disrespectful. No, I thought Car- Carson that peaked those years in 2018, 2019 before he got hurt was one of the more effective players in the whole league. I remember a lot of the advanced stats were really high in his ability to, to break tackles after contact. I know PFF was very high on his ability. I know the fantasy community loved Chris Carson. And in, the, in a lot of the times where the whole Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson thing was going on, he was just a really fun player. I remember there was a game like, like where they clinched the playoffs against the Chiefs in that 2018 season where Carson was just awesome. And he just had a lot of runs that just like, he would just run over people. And it wasn't surprising he had injuries because he played so violent. But yeah, I don't really see Thomas Rawls had like a good couple of weeks. Like he had like a good three week stretch. But Carson was real. Pete Carson was a, a like top five running back for those two years. And I no one's even Carson, but you said Pete Carson. Yes. Yeah. His career was like four years. So there was a lot of peak, but he made the right decision, I think. I don't really think he had a choice either. Like... Yeah. Uh, Evan, anything you want to add on Chris Carson before we, uh, Dana? You guys want to speak on just a super fun player. I enjoyed, I enjoyed uh, my time watching him. He gets a nice little, I think it's like $2.5 million injury settlement because he, uh, they gave him a designated failed physical gets healthcare for six years, which it was longer, but uh, yeah, best wishes to him in his uh, post NFL career. Dana. Yeah, agreed. He was, yeah, he was, he was great and he was really fun to watch. And, and I, I do think that, the, the team did really right by him by making sure that he got that extra money and that extra care. I think that that's very important, but that's what Seattle does. I mean, they've done it. They did it for Cliff. They did it for Cam. So. Yeah, I am. I'm tempted to uh, go back to like the fact that Chris Carson was as much of a physical specimen as you will ever see at the running back position. I mean, the guy, like if you ever saw him in person was just seemed superhuman and how he was put together and 
not only was he big and strong, but he was fast. Um, when he'd come flying out on a wheel route and training camp and, and like, he was just, he was as fast as at least in those moments as like any of the receivers that were out there, he was just a huge, fast, strong human who willingly chose contact over going out of bounds. And, and I think that's something that any fan will always appreciate. Um, but you know, like, I'm glad he got out before it got worse. Um, so hopefully, hopefully uh, he will have something that he gets some value out of uh, in his life as, as he's got a lot, a lot of it left to live. Um, so that's, uh, that's where I'm at on Chris Carson. Um, tempted to have one more round of conversation. How are you guys doing time-wise? I stay up till forever every single night as you know yeah i'm sure you do um so let's talk about position groups here because i I got to go off on the cornerback group but there's so many other position groups here that have interest i'd like to have that question answered by each of you what's the position group that you're most interested in most invested in uh heading into this camp um and dane i'm going to start with you um, I'm really excited about this defense. I just am. I, I think that I'm excited to see the difference it will make. Um, I think it'll, I'm excited to see what hurt is going to do with it. Who he's a beastie of a man too. Like so intimidating. Like, I think I'd be afraid of from a little bit if I was a player, but the, the, the group that I'm actually really interested in seeing how it kind of pans out is actually the wide receiver group. So now that DK is locked down, that's done. And then you have Tyler Lockett but we still have good old Freddie Swain, you know, can't forget about Freddie, but then I forgot. And this is terrible of me completely forgot that they signed Marquise Goodwin. I just, I just completely forgot about it. I feel terrible about that. So sorry, Marquise, but you also have Bo Melton. You have a couple of the new guys. I think it's going to be interesting. Probably the reason why I'm most interested to watch it is because I want to see how they're used differently than they have been used over the last, you know, few years. I want to see, what tweaks can be made to the way the wide receivers are being used and, and how they kind of respond to that. So not to take too much time, but yeah. So that's someone I'm actually going to be watching really closely because I think it'll be interesting. And the 7,000 tight ends we have, why do we have six tight ends? It's so many. Yes. Yes. So many. Uh, thank you, Cappy McCappy for encouraging everyone to give the show a like. If you haven't already, it takes a second, give the show a like, we'd appreciate it. Uh, I uh, thought you were calling me Cappy McCappy. I'm like, that- the hell did I do? Sorry. 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 Uh, Maybe so... if you stop lying so much, Dana. <laughs> oh, I guess. No cap. Uh, Jeff, because Evan desperately does not want you to take his choice, uh, I'm calling on you next. Uh, so what, what is the position group you're thinking of? I know me and Evan are very much aligned to this. It's For me, it's the offensive line. God damn it! And the reason for that is one of the things – I know Evan, I mean, we're very aligned. I know Evan's talked a lot about cross on Twitter. To me, one of the things that concerned me the most is even before the Russell Wilson trade, and we obviously know the quarterback issues now, the offensive tackle position looked really bleak. Dwayne Brown was a free agent. Brand Shell was a free agent. They didn't have a first round pick. And really with the Jamal Adams trade, it took away two chances to get offensive tackles. And to me, I thought that was a really big, if you're going to rebuild and you don't have an offense left tackle and you have to sign like Eric Fisher or, play uh stone foresight to me that was a really bleak and to me that when they got cross they were so lucky because 
the Jets and the Texans. And there was a huge domino effect that even let him get to nine. They were super lucky. And Schneider apparently was like sweating in his armpits. I think he knew it too. And not only did they get that, I thought this was when they made the Wilson trade. I thought this was going to be like a multi-year, like they're going to need five years to figure out two tackles. The fact that they got both in one off season, to me, that completely changed my whole outlook of the whole team because I thought that was going to be a four to six year and fuck, it's been what, how many years have they had two good tackles in the same season? Maybe that one year where Brandon Shell played well. So I don't know if Lucas will be good. And I know Ben Baldwin said a lot of research on tackles usually actually suck their first year, a lot of them. So I don't know if they'll be good this year, but to me, that's the most important development of this season. I, I think you can take your lumps this year with the bad quarterbacks. And if you can hit the ground running with this group in the second half of the year and have that quarterback drop in place next year, to me, that changes their long-term trajectory a lot. And if they didn't have, if they had Dwayne Brown and Shell back, to me, I would just be very bleak about almost the whole offense. So to me, that group really changes their trajectory going forward. I think that's that's spot on. It, it actually, it's going to be a funny dynamic. I think there'll be a lot of Seahawks fans, especially on Twitter, where people are a little bit more passionate. That will be like, dude, get up, Gino, get up, Drew. I don't care, you got hit, like. They'll be totally back in cross and 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 gonna be rough. Uh, yeah. Throwing shade at the quarterbacks. It'll be very funny. Uh Evan, you have to pick something different. Oh my god, man. I have to pick something different. Yeah. Um you can double up if you'd like. What, I'm, no, I'm, I'm doubling up. I'm just being honest. Like the tackle group, I'm so excited about. Like Jeff said, cannot believe Charles Cross fell to nine. Insanely lucky that happened. Abe Lucas is a mammoth of a human being. I'm not sure if you guys saw that uh, picture of him on Twitter recently at a press conference or whatever with Pete Carroll. He's just insanely wide, insanely long. KJ Wright long arms. It's absolutely insane. Um, you know, strong pass protector. I think he, uh, I think there's, um, I think NFL scouts were, were a little pessimistic about him be, just because of, I think some of the recent O-line prospects that have come out of Wazoo outside of the fact that it's obviously a horrible school, but like I, it, I think you've got to be excited about Abe Lucas at right tackle. I, I think, like I said earlier in the show, that's the foundation of a potential, you know, Super Bowl offensive line. So it's a big deal. I'm doubling up on them. Nathan. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. There's a lot of really interesting uh, players on the team right now across a lot of different positions. So, I mean, for me, I'm torn between the cornerback group, mainly because of Trey Brown, Tariq Woolen, just seeing what they do. Um, but it's hard not to pick the offensive line. I mean, you know, you have a top 10, 10 pick there at left tackle. You have um, a Lucas, obviously, but then you have Curran and you have um, uh, Lewis and you have uh, Phil Haynes. And like, so, you know, you have a lot of these interesting guys and seeing how it all shakes out is going to be fascinating, even outside of the tackles. Yeah, it's, I think that's the story of this season is there's this potential for at least three, uh, maybe more than that, but at least three critical parts of a championship team to potentially take shape this year. One would be coverage, uh, two would be pass rush, and three would be offensive line. Like those three areas of this team um, – are what are going to make or break this. It's not the win win loss record this year. It's whether or not those groups look like they're going to be durable and they're going to grow and they're going to be the things that you can count on. So you can spend your draft picks and your free agency dollars and other things elsewhere. Um, so it's going to be fascinating. And I think 
we haven't even really talked about some of the free agent signings that the Seahawks made, uh, you know, to help with that pass rush and what that's going to look like. We haven't, we haven't talked about Shelby Harris at all. Cause I don't think, you know, there's a lot of knowledge. The guy had, I think seven sacks on the inside last year. So like, there's some interesting things to be found there. Um, and we will be here to talk to all of you about them. Uh, but we're going to wrap for tonight. It's, it's been the first time in a long time. We got you a full, full-fledged crew, all five of the crew on tonight. And uh, we really appreciate you all dialing in. Wish the Mariners would have friggin' pulled it off. They need to beat the Astros uh, one of these times. I know Evan was really disappointed. Uh, he's keeping track of everything going on with the Mariners. But would really love to see folks give the show a like, click the subscribe button. We're continuing to grow. Uh, we are going to get back into the swing of things and love to have the community grow along with us. Go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger uh, and help donate uh, to the show, which will in part help donate to great causes. We have not yet announced our donation this year. We're still working that through with uh, Ben's Fund and some other possible places, but uh, we will let you know when that happens and all the good that you're all doing and that we appreciate your support. So until next time, thank you all. Have a great night.